Welcome to the Godly Manhood Podcast, where we seek to encourage men to consider how they can grow in godliness as men, husbands, and fathers by sustaining themselves with God's Word and applying it in their lives daily. My name is Emery Phipps. And I'm Brian Barnes. And tonight we're talking about family worship, something that we all should take seriously and how we lead our families well to know the Lord, to grow in knowledge and understanding of His Word, and to keep the Lord central in our homes. Uh, but before we get into it, I got two things I want to talk about. Uh-oh. I didn't tell you this. Oh, um, oh! First of all, listeners, thanks for punching in. Uh, go find us on Facebook and Instagram and share it with your friends so people know what we're doing here. If you think it's good, tell people about it so we grow the show. Okay, I want to say one thing. I have heard a lot of feedback in the last two weeks about this podcast from women. I expect our women audience to be growing over the coming weeks because it has been so funny. To hear these girls talk, the best compliment I think we've gotten so far was uh, really easy to listen to. I can just totally zone out when I'm listening. I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment. Yeah, I know. It's like if they're zoning out. Ma'am, thank you. I don't like white noise. Is that a good thing or what are we doing? Uh, Yeah. And then uh, got some affirmation from a girl in another state who was basically like, hey, listen to your podcast. I go... I think you're going to jack up the algorithm because you're not really our target audience. It's a f- relative family member, I should clarify. I'm like, yeah, you're not really the target audience. You're going to mess up the algorithm, but hey, we'll take whatever we can get. And she's like, hey, take a play as a play. Take the play. So anyway, that was all good. So ladies, we're glad you're listening. I hope it's an encouragement to you or to the man in your life or whatever, the man you're looking for in your life. I think Emery once early on said, um, yes, I want my unmarried daughter to listen to this so she can become a married daughter and get out of my house. Yeah, so and have a good godly man that's gonna uh, that I don't have to put six feet under. I love that. I love that for you. Uh, the other thing, seminary update. Uh, David and I are in a hermeneutics class right now, and I we I talked about it at Life Group. I want to talk about it here briefly because uh, it was kind of a really interesting way to think about scripture through the lens of a reader and how are we to 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 see God in the scripture that we're reading, regardless of of you know it's a narrative, it's a it's it's uh, wisdom literature. It's it doesn't matter whatever part of the Bible you're in, and that idea is that wherever you are in Scripture, you remember and bear in mind that God is the main character of that section of Scripture, and the theme is whatever God is doing in that part of Scripture. And the minute we don't do that, the author of this book that we read, uh, Dan Doriani, said, "The moment you you don't." Remember that God is the main character, and whatever God is doing is the theme in that section of Scripture. You'll begin to court moralism. Mm. And I've been trying to think about how some people get the Bible so wrong lately. And I don't want to be controversial or whatever, but I've been hearing about, you know, people talk about the miracles maybe weren't really miracles. Maybe there's a scientific reason or there's some rational answer. Uh, The one I've been hearing a lot lately is maybe Jesus didn't really feed the 5,000 miraculously. Maybe he just encouraged people to share what they had. And the lesson in that is that if we share what we have, we have enough for everybody. And I can't think of a better example of not recognizing that God is the main character in that story of Jesus and that the theme is what God was doing. He was showing himself to be God, performing a miracle in front of all of these people and providing for the needs of people. If we don't zoom in, on that text and see what God is doing and understand that that is the theme of the text, you'll turn it into a moral tale about sharing is good. 
that's the same thing people do with the Sodom and Gomorrah story. Okay, They're like, yeah. oh, God only destroyed them because they weren't hospitable enough. Hospitality. But they don't go to the next verse. It talks about abomination and what they were doing. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it makes them feel good about themselves it's so they can say, oh, you're not doing it. I'm doing enough. And it goes back to, I think, the mentality so many people have that, that somehow their salvation is wrapped up actually in their works. That's right. That's where a lot of that moralism comes from. Yeah, that's right. I've been reading a lot about that too. Um, but this is not the Seminary Roundup podcast, so I will— <laughs> Dude, let's talk, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the the works thing is is super um, interesting and challenging sometimes for people because if you read James without context, you're going to come away from that maybe with uh, an idea about salvation other than you're saved by grace alone. Mm. You have to understand that James was writing that to the leaders of the 12 tribes. It was to— well-learned Jewish scholars who had the law down pat. And maybe there were people in that audience who thought that if they knew the law and obeyed the law perfectly, salvation was there. But James was encouraging those uh, readers of that letter to, to take that, that, that law that you know in your heart and live that out in your, in your life. And, and that the, the conversion that has happened inside of you, that new heart that you were given, will be evident in the works that are there in your life. And that, so again, how we read scripture uh, is super important. Read it, reread it, read it again. Every professor I've had has said that. Well, I think it goes back to what we talked about a few episodes back when we were talking about studying God's word. We have this tendency to think, oh, we can only do this or that. We can only read scripture, and that's all we can read. That's all we should read. We shouldn't go anywhere else for anything. And we miss so much of the context. We're like, well, hey, I'm in the word. I'm reading this. Well, hey, what are you doing? Like, there's there's people we talk to that are going through like some of these minor prophets or even major prophets, but you know, minor proverb or prophets, and they're like, oh, hey, I, I'm not using anything alongside with it. I'm just reading it. It's like, man, you're going to get very little out of that if you're not doing a, even if you do a whole lot of cross referencing, because there's people God has in His grace blessed with the ability to study this and understand it and do the deep dive to help us understand. There's nothing wrong with doing that. The prophets are a great example. When you read the prophets, it can be very overwhelming. And you can come away from that and go, I don't understand any of this. This is wild visual imagery. I get that they're talking about events that aren't on the page that are going to be in the future. Maybe you, know, maybe you come away from it understanding, okay, we're talking about something else. It's clearly not just literal, but I don't know how to apply that. Well, read it and reread it and read it again mm -hmm. for sure. But yes, get a commentary. Get a study Bible that can help you understand that, that many of these prophetic utterances were fulfilled and realized not long after they were uttered. Some of them were, were realized long after, and some of them are yet to come. Mm. But yeah, trying to dig through the prophets on your own, you might just get discouraged and walk away from the Bible. I know I did early on. I mean, it's like, how am I supposed to think about all of this wild imagery? Well, God has put that in there for a very important reason. And anytime somebody says, thus says the Lord in scripture, we know that, that that person meant it with enormous weight. The audience had to hear it. It was a very important message to God's people, and we ought to know about it and what it means. So yeah, read it. Don't be afraid of it. Grab great commentaries. Hit up Emory if you need a good one or a good and, rec. And don't read it for the reasons that I did the first time around. What's that? It wasn't even part of my Bible plan. I told Karen, I was like, I'm going to read these because— if I run into one of these dudes in heaven one day, and they're like, did you read my book? I'm about to be like, nah, dude, sorry. Skipped, Skipped it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, what, yeah. What, what's Hosea going to think? Or Habakkuk. 
Poor Habakkuk. Nobody. <laughs> I just don't think Zechariah gets the love that he deserves. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. Read your Bible. But that is not the topic tonight. Yeah. But, hey, I'm good with that though. I love the like the beautiful, moment. beautiful departure. Um, yeah, I like that. So we're talking about family worship though, and how we lead our families well. And you know, we've done episodes on reading your Bible. We've done episodes on leading. Uh, we're kind of combining those two ideas here and in, in what family worship is, why we ought to do it, what's it look like, what should you expect, and chaos is probably the word there. If you have small children, expect chaos. But th- th- there are some scriptural commands to, to men that tell us that we are to train our children up, specifically Proverbs 22.6. This is a minor proverb or a major proverb? Because you just said that a minute ago. I'm at prophets. I know you corrected yourself. Did I? Okay. Uh, we're we're going to call this a major proverb. Uh, 22.6, train up your child in the way he should go. Uh, even when he is old, it will not depart from him. Uh, I wrote that on a whiteboard, and my old eyes, I can just barely get through that. So, oh, Welcome to the club, buddy. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> so yeah, train up your child in the way of the Lord. That, that's, a, that's in Scripture that is for us to see that and apply that to our lives. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 talks about parenting. It reminds children to honor their father and mother. It's a command, uh, a commandment. Um, Ephesians uh, 6 goes on to say, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the, does that say doctrine? Practice, discipline, ah, there it is. instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And you know what's pathetic? I probably just have that verse memorized. Isn't that I'm, the worst? Like when you like, like you, you, I can look at something like, oh, I know the rest of that. Well, we were life group the other night. We were going through 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah. Like I memorized that when I was a kid. I can still, at least in the King James Version, do that pretty well on the fly. You can sayeth it. Yeah, sayeth it, yeah. Well, I know that verse. But and, like <laughs> over there the, the other night, though, I'm like, I forget what came up. But somebody said, what's it say here? And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I know. And it's like, yeah, 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 that's great. Well, well, yeah, I'm trusting my eyes more than my brain here. Deuteronomy 6, one more to Deuteronomy 6, 7, yeah, go ahead. I'm far away. You shall teach. So let's, uh, we'll start with six, right? So, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's a mezuzah. Oh, are we going with the mezuzahs? Are we going to talk about mezuzahs for mezuzah a Mezuzah talk. That's the name of our other podcast, Mezuzah, mezuzah talk. talk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, mezuzah, for those of you who don't know, they're traditional in uh, Jewish ho- households uh, on the doorpost of a household. Uh, you will have a remembrance for the Lord. You'll put it on your doorpost, and it may have the Ten Commandments on there. That There should be a small scribe uh, on the inside, a rolled-up little scroll, uh, and then this is nailed on your doorpost. It's a Jewish tradition. We're not commanded to do that in Scripture as Christians. But we do it anyway. And they're awesome to collect. And they're super great to collect. Emery and I both have mezuzahs. So anyway, we are not uh, legalist psychos, though. That is not what this is. It's, if if it, you want to have your just mind blown, Google mezuzahs and the rules. It's pretty amazing. And like, you said, and the rules? And the rules that go along with Oh, yeah, like, yeah. They what, have to be at an angle. Oh, the angle. Who yeah. does it? What you say. What size of a room should have one. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty amazing the efforts that they go through with the legalism on that one. Shout out to our Jewish friends. And shout out to eBay. Oh, yeah. With their mezuzah lots that hooked me up. Love that. I buy G.I. Joe's for my children. You buy mezuzahs for your friends. This is a good man. Uh, I tried to give Dave one last week, but he didn't want it because it's one I didn't like. 
He's like, I don't want your. He's holding out for a high dollar. You don't want. He wants an antique, like uh, you know, high dollar mezuzah. So anyway, okay, all of that to say, there was clear references in scripture to the job of a father, the job of a man to lead his household, to know the Lord, to know the Lord's commands, to know scripture. And and really, Proverbs is full of evidences that say, if you raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, if you, if you point them to the Lord, the Holy Spirit convicts and saves. You don't do that. Your words, doesn't matter how beautiful they are, doesn't matter how disciplined you are in family worship, the Lord saves people, not you. However, I am certain that that effort will not come back empty, that that effort will draw your family closer together, and by the grace of God, will grow your children, your wife, yourself, in knowledge and understanding of God's word and love for the Lord. And that's the very essence of what we're trying to do in family worship. So why do you do it, Emery? You, you, you do family worship in your house. Before you tell us what it looks like, tell us why you do it. Well, part of it for me is growing up in a Christian home, I was discipled well by my parents. It wasn't necessarily the way we do it now, but it was a priority. And we were at church a lot. We went to Independent Baptist Church, so it was like you were at church like seven out of seven days a week, it seemed like. Can I ask a Not question really, about yeah. that? Somebody asked me this, and I told them I didn't know, and I would ask you on the podcast. And I know I've asked you this probably on the podcast, but I can't remember. You say Independent Baptist Church— Dancing, singing, like no, no so, dancing, no movie theaters. So, so they can be different things. The whole idea of independent Baptist church is that they can kind of do, congregationally, they can do what they want to do. Sure. So the churches I grew up in were a little more fundamental. Not like crazy fundamental, okay. um, but they still had fun. Did the girls wear pants? Culottes. You couldn't wear pants. I don't know that word. I, I've heard Culottes it. I just heard like dress pants. Like slacks or like flowy They're pants? They're like... They're like, uh, they go a little bit below the knees. Think of like basketball shorts. Oh, for ladies. For ladies, but like denim. I think I think of gauchos. They had to go below the knees because okay. anything above the knees causes people to stumble. Long hair? Uh, or they cut their hair? Not like a rule. Okay. Like, nah, so, so some places are. Right. So I'm, when I say independent Baptist, for me, that's a, people tend to, when you say I, IFB specifically, they tend to be very much like, all these are, they're more legalistic in a lot of ways. There's, you have, women can't wear pants or shouldn't wear pants and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do a lot of shouldn'ts yep. um, from a salvation or from a bearing a fruit perspective. Sure. Fruit inspection, for lack of a better word. Is that a phrase that they use? Oh, yeah. Fruit inspection? Fruit inspection. All dull. We got to inspect some yeah. fruit. So, so growing up in those kind of churches, like you, you went to, I wouldn't go seven days a week, but we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, could Wednesday you, nights. Could you listen to secular music? Or music at all? Oh, yeah. No, but I have friends, though, that grew up in churches that would be called independent Baptist churches that they only listened to hymns. They didn't have a television. Right. So, like— That was not you? No. We had TV. Um, I watched the Goonies in the 80s. Okay. You know, my parents were not good independent Baptists. No, I'm just kidding. So, we would we would do things within the household. My parents discipled me. They would try to, even in discipline and punishment, explain to me why it was sinful. Oh, that's great. So I praise God for that. Like that was how I was brought up. I didn't come to faith in Christ till I was 27, but I grew up in that that environment. So so when I got saved, and even beforehand, like we were a big VeggieTales family even before I was a Christian. I was like, looking back on that, I'm like, oh, it's a lot of morals, not a whole lot of depth. Right. My kids were good though, even though they were heathens. So anyway, uh, the why behind that now, once I came to faith in Christ, it was like, okay, well, I need, I want my kids to know these things. I've neglected. So at the time I had... 
10 year old, maybe about 10 year old, 2004, so seven, eight year old, and like a two year old or something. Like Numbers are a little off there, but I had two kids, both under age of 10. And I'm like, I want them to know about Jesus. And I want to do these things. And we were at churches that were, we ended up at a church that was, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. Um, and then, but frankly, at that point, I didn't really know what to do. And I, and I wasn't being discipled well in that moment. So that fell to the wayside a little bit. It, it would come up. I wouldn't do anything specific, but I knew my kids needed to know this stuff because at the time for me, it was like, I got to do this to save my kids. Yeah. That was my mentality. Um, so as I grew in my faith and recognized, like, oh, wait, I have the responsibility. That's right. What I was doing before was I'll just drop them off. My kids are being discipled every Sunday morning, every Wednesday, every Sunday night. I can't tell you how many families I've heard in passing at our school where my kids go to a Christian school and they'll say, well, this is our church. Like, like what they get here is the, is church, so we don't oh go on Sundays. Oh, my goodness, dude. And, and you know me. That sends a shock down my spine. Like, I'm just like, no, you're wrong. And by the way, we got a menagerie of teachers here with different faith backgrounds. A lot of them don't go to church, as I talk to them. Some of them are Catholic, some of them, right? I cannot count on this school to give my children a proper Christian education. Many people do, though. And I will tell you, brothers and sisters, reconsider, recalibrate, go to church. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. That's your responsibility. Like, it, it is our sole as parents, the most important thing we do. I mean, Scripture bears that out. You know, what would God say to them? Hey, do this thing. Like, this right. is your responsibility. You're supposed to do this. It, didn't, it doesn't say you should consider. No, not at all. Just do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah. And as Christians, the most important thing we can do is go to church. The other thing to me is, like, you t- I'll, I'll run into people that have the, like, go ye therefore shirts and disciple the nations type things. Yeah, and I affirm. It, that's awesome. <laughs> but they aren't doing it in their house. And that is your number one mission field. It's your number one mission field. And just but but they're they're the same people that say, Oh, I send my kids off to school because that's their mission field. And like, but you're neglecting discipling them home, it just blows my mind. Are you raising up disciples? Yeah. Right. That's the it's 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 hard to hear. And you want to shake people. Lovingly. Lovingly. Because Lovingly. again, I'm sitting here talking. As I said, I think last week the theme of the show may become what did Emory mess up this week? <laughs> and Brian. You know, so so yeah, I, I say all this saying, hey, I, I've done all this stuff wrongly. I've messed it up. I wasn't, it wasn't the focus. I still mess it up now. There's days where I'm like, dude, we're just not getting to that. This week is in our household has been especially difficult. Yep. We, we fit it in a couple of days and usually in the middle of the day because it's when I had time. I was like, oh, if we don't do this now. Right. So doing those things. So it boils down to a recognition that scripture commands me to do it. Yeah. And I can't rely on other people to disciple my kid. Like that's, no, it's not. I'm failing as a dad. Well, and, and I do that. Give me a little bit as like from the perspective of a minister of students. For those of you who are uninitiated, that's code for youth pastor. We just don't call them that. It, you know, there might be parents who have that vibe towards you, right? Like Emery's got it. I don't need to do it at home. What would your advice be to parents of teenagers who maybe are just kind of relying on somebody like you at the church to handle it on Sunday nights? printed this out just so I could read it, but I did a parent meeting when I first came on as student minister. Yeah. And Jonathan was in there and we had some parents coming because they were getting to know me. You know, I'd been at the church, but there was a new role. And the first thing I told them was, and this is in any literature we pass out when people are asking about our student ministry, it says, we are not the primary disciple of your student. Love it. You are the discipler. Anytime I send out correspondence, we're partnering with you as parents. 
I'm, I'm not with your kid. I forget the numbers, but if you just think about it roughly, if kids come every single week, and if we count every week, so 104 hours out of the year yeah. is the most that they're going to spend with anyone within the student ministry. Right. I'm, I'm not, I don't do math, but there's a whole thousands of hours right. that I don't see them. Right. They're there with you. That's, that's your role. So, so we try to make it very clear that, hey, this is not our job. Our job is on Sunday nights. We're going to disciple your kid when they're here with us, and we're going to talk to them throughout the week, and we're going to encourage them. And if they call us, we're going to go grab them and get coffee or get with you if they have an issue. We're going to partner. We're partners. Yeah. So the expectation is, hey, I'm going to tell you as a parent, this is what your kid needs to do this week. I'm going to tell them too, but you're going to know. This is the scripture memory for the week. Yeah. These are things you can do. For a while, I would send stuff out to parents. Hey, here's a thing you can just drive time discipleship. You know, dinner time discipleship. Just ask this question. This is stop doing that, frankly, because we're blessed in our church. There's a whole lot of at home discipleship going on sure. with our students. Um, because people come to me and say, Hey, I'm using this. What can I use that's better? Hey, I want to do this. Can we do this? So I just try to encourage parents that way, like just do something. Like yeah. it's it's a it's like I feel like this may be the catchphrase of our show other than push up, do push ups. It's just do it. Just do something. Yeah. Like this is one another one that you can you can do it poorly if you don't know. Just do it. Better to do it poorly than not at all. Yeah, just to sit with them, um, share with them what you're learning. Be vulnerable. But there's so many resources these days. Like there's there's not a good excuse. That's but, right. There's just free resources. Yeah, we'll talk about that too before yeah. we cut out tonight. Just to make sure that we hit a bunch of those uh, if you need them. But yeah, I I totally agree with you from a time perspective. Your kid spends so much time in front of a television, on a screen with their cohorts at school. Frankly, doing school, they're doing homework. Right. You would tell your kid, would you? You would never in a million years tell your kid, "Oh, it's your option to do your homework tonight." But we're very quick, and I say we because this was me before, um, before I frankly repented of the sin of it. Was me saying, "Hey, this is this is not as important as your homework." That's right. But I was like. I would never tell my kid, don't do your homework tonight. Right. But I'll be real quick to say, well, we'll do family worship tomorrow. Hey, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, think about it like if you're, I'm a reluctant sports family. We have, we our kids do some sports, low, pretty low commitment, but the amount of time that they have to be dedicated to that and the dedication that we have to commit to, to get them there a couple days a week, the games, we would never think about missing something like that. You probably wouldn't either, listener. But boy, oh boy, are we quick to let go of 15 minutes a day, or 20 minutes a day, a few time, a few days a week even, of family worship. And it, it's the same thing as individuals. Yeah. It's just on an individual basis. How quicker would it be like, don't have time for that today? Oh my goodness. If I weren't in seminary and leading life group and preaching on occasion, I would not be in my Bible. I know I wouldn't. Part of what, when I signed up for seminary, I told people like, this is a disciplined, structured format for me to spend time in God's word and that I must, I must. Oh yeah. And and that's where I want to show a lot of grace as we talk, because I think I screw it up all the time. For sure. I mean, I, one of the things that I've told you, you two sitting in this room, I've texted you or told you specifically and other guys in our life group, if it's a week where I'm not teaching on a Sunday night, yeah. Hey, ask me what I read today mm. or what I'm studying, because what I'll do is I'll revert back to, well, I'll still read my Bible, but I can get lazy in a moment because it's like, I don't have to spend that time this week. Right. I've been really wanting to do this other thing and I'll just neglect it. And then I regret it. So I always am very quick to be like, hey, remind or not just remind me, ask me what I'm doing. 
Yeah. So that way I don't get the chance. I'm, I'm being held to account. And that's so much of being a godly man anyway, is being held accountable by your peers and other and your, whoever, other believers to hold you, hold your feet to the fire and say, this is your responsibility. You should be doing this. And I know we did a whole episode about read your Bible, but Dave and I, right now, our professor said something like in the second week of this class, he was like, look, if you dedicate like seven to 10 minutes a day of intense, slow Bible reading, where you're just really focused in on it, if you're coming off of nothing, if you're doing nothing right now, that can change your life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're doing zero minutes, go to seven. If you're at seven, go to 15, whatever. But I think the point is, again, doing doing it poorly is better than not doing it at all. Robbie Gallaty, I haven't mentioned him in a couple episodes. Hit the dinger. Ding, ding, ding. So Robbie Gallaty, he did a study a couple of years back, and it's in one of the books that he put out, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make the number up. The gist of it was, it, the more someone's in the Word, just reading their Bible, all the other spiritual disciplines, giving, um, serving, name the spiritual disciplines. Prophecy. Yeah, yeah right. Um, all those other spiritual disciplines will be more evident in their life. They'll be easier to come by because they're just reading their Bible a little bit every week. Yeah, I, I totally agree. What's it look like in your house right now? Can you talk a little bit about like kind of what you guys do? What do you run through? Well, typically I vaseline my hands up and start juggling chainsaws. Perfect. Trying to keep get, their attention. Not, yeah. Um, really until about five years ago, it wasn't much of a thing in our house, five or six. Like there were some little things here and there. We'd read a Bible story. We'd pray together. We'd do things but there wasn't like an intentional focused time. Yep. So starting out, it was just like, hey, let's try to read some scripture. But I have I have a very large age range of kids. So, you know, at that point, my oldest daughter, she was probably 15 or 16-ish. And so I had to do something from a 16-year-old all the way down to like a two-year-old. And we're all together. Yeah, that's that, hard. That's hard. Um, so we would do scripture. But then I was like, you know, this is... I'm not going to do this well because I'm not going to take the time to prepare because I was frankly just lazy in a moment. Sure. So I started researching, like, well, what books are out there? What are some things we can do? What can we re- be reading? It's just a treasure trove of things. So we started just taking a book that has a focus on a scripture, talk about that, little devotion with it, and some uh, questions kind of follow up. So there's just so many things like that. So we would focus on that. We're, we're using a book. I can never remember the name of this book when I try because I never look at the title. Why would you? It's by Truth78. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. But I, trust me, we use this book because I just used it today. I believe you. Um, but it's great, man. We got it at T4G like two years ago. Um, I, didn't, Truth, I didn't go to that one. Yeah, Truth78 Publishers has just amazing stuff anyway. Okay. Really thick book, um, and it walks you through the storyline of Scripture. So this is Old Testament focused. Yeah. So you start with a, a main Scripture passage, and then it goes through a story, has some photos. It's usually about three or four good-sized pages. And then it closes out with a focus on like, where's the salvation? You know, how's this point back to salvation? How's this call us to repentance? How can we pray? And it has like specific questions at the end of it. So the kids, it's good for all age kids. You know, right now when we do that, we're using it for a 15 year old down to, you know, a seven year old, and they're all actively engaged in it. Sure. And, we, and we'll, we'll switch it up every now and then, but primarily, um, that's that's what we do. So we we do that. I don't sing. I'm not a singer. I wish we did, frankly. Yeah, me um, too. Me too. That's something I've talked about, but it feels weird to me to kick YouTube on and like sing a song. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm not musical. We So we have done a m- bunch of times. I'll get my guitar out and we'll just do some songs for sure. Um, and it's awesome. But it's informal. And it's usually like I'm just working on stuff anyway. 
Yeah. And then they come in and then they bring their guitars in and it becomes chaos. And, and I go, all right, this is too chaos. Somebody pick a song off this list of hymns. We're going to sing one. And they do it and they get really engaged. So I'm like, I'm leaving fruit on the table here because they will do it. Yeah. And the older they get, the less probably willing they'll be to do it. So yeah, I, I need to reevaluate that. We've done that a bunch of times and it's always super awesome. So, yeah, and and if your family is doing music and singing, write in and tell us how you do that. Do you do it with YouTube? Do you do it with Spotify? Do you play the piano? Because you're awesome. I mean, because we need ideas in how to improve this for our life. So, know, Chris and I have talked about trying to do like a little printable booklet Yeah, with some words, maybe even like some really simple chords. Like a hymnal? Yeah, because <laughs> that's a thing. It's really dumb. I don't, know if, you, I don't know if you've ever heard of these. Well, I collect hymnals. Also, hymnals are the best. But, and but, they have but the music. for people like me who like maybe maybe ten songs to choose from. I yeah, print it out. I could give it to my kids to look at, and there's like a YouTube video that would be good for me to karaoke along with, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just hard to find. I, I want to be able to. So just trying to streamline that to where people within our church at least could be like, hey, this is actually something we'll use. Yeah, I think um, we're overthinking. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Just here's a little hymnal or a little, you know, it doesn't have to be like- ten, 10 songs that like are T4G, easy for kids to sing. The T4G pamphlets yeah. Yeah. had the 10 songs in the back. And we use those in elders meetings to open elders meetings for 10 years. Yeah. And so, yeah, we don't sing and anymore. Then, and then we, you know, pray. Yeah, you know, we do prayer time, talk about the kids. What, what are they? I've used it personally as- I talked to a dad the other day, like one of the things that for me that I've done more intentionally the last few years anyway with my kids as they've gotten older is confess sin to them if it's appropriate. Oh, right, right. And then show them in prayer, like, okay, when we pray now, I'm going to confess this sin to God. That's a great idea. Um, and Or I ask them for forgiveness. If I've been angry and during the day, I say, hey, okay, now before we go into prayer, I'm going to confess sin. One of the sins that I'm going to confess tonight is the fact that I've been angry today. I've, I showed anger towards you that was not righteous in any way. Right. Um, so I would ask you to forgive me for that. I'm asking that. We talk about forgiveness, and then I, I will tend to, after that, pray and ask for forgiveness in with whatever we're praying about that night. So Yeah, we do something similar most of the time now is just the Bible. So we've done the Jesus Storybook Bible when they were real little. We've tried a, a whole number of family devotionals. I've done catechisms uh, with the kids, and there's one I won't name it because I sometimes get looks when I say it because you know how Christians are. We all have opinions about things, and so some, some people when they I say a catechism, somebody from our church shared with me, they'll be like, "Well, this one's why aren't you doing the Westminster?" And I'm like, I don't because this one's really great too because the Baptist catechism's better, right? So, so, uh, so this catechism. You know, I'm, they're all formatted this way, but it's a question answer, right? So, so here's a question about the nature of God or God's character or some principle about God, and then it's discussion. So I'll say that first. All right, here's the question: What do you think the answer is? And then I'll give them the catechism answer, and we go through it and break it down. That's great. That's good for yeah, that's quick awesome. hits. Um, but nine times out of ten, we're in the Bible, ESV, not some children's version of the Bible, which which can be totally fine and appropriate as well. I've done both. Um, but from a young age, we would use the regular grown-up Bible, and they still learn. They well, retain. These are kids, man, that I'll bet you Connor and Kelly can do higher-level math than I can. Uh, one of them definitely can. Because, like, so to me, it's like, yeah, we, they can handle this. I mean, we, that's within student ministry. You hear all this, you know, you got to dumb it down because the students won't stay focused. It's like, man— 
They're out there doing so. calculus. Yeah, I don't. I think would say so. they stay less focused if you dumb it down because now you're just insulting their intelligence. Yeah. They're funnier than us. They're smarter than us in a lot of ways. They can handle it, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's yeah yeah. And when you get to sticky parts or words, stop, slow down, explain it, tell them what it means, and you're gonna bear a lot of fruit in that time together. We um sometimes I'll just do family worship will be more intellectual than like book mm-hmm. book driven. So it'll be like, um, last night my wife had this list of questions in a book she's reading. Like everybody's a theologian or something to some new book she just got. And it was uh, probably by some woman with three names or something. I don't know, but I think that's Jen Wilkins new book. I bet I haven't pre-read it. Oh, call back to another dude, episode. You are not, I know you're not a godly man. We got, you know what I am, right Emery? I'm a feminine, you're effeminate. I'm a gonna... bad leader. So the thing this week was scarfs. Hit me with scarves right now, please. Yeah, so somebody Silk, took a somebody, somebody took a picture of Paul David Tripp, who's a dapper fellow already. Yeah, Got the mustache. Awesome mustache. Usually, he's wearing like the grandpa sweater. Uh, smart, well read, right? Smart, great books. Amazing book back here that I, I'm loving right now. Parenting. Uh, Sundays. It's oh, great! A, it's actually a 52 week devotion, so you read it every Sunday. You told me about this. Great book. So anyway, great there was a photo of him out there wearing a kind of goofy looking scarf, like a gentleman. He looked like a gentleman. He looked like, yeah. He, looked, he wasn't a schlub in a black yeah, t-shirt? For sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, fun. so the thing was like, basically people just were attacking this dude for wearing an effeminate scarf. Very cool. Thankfully, a lot of the people who typically jump on that bandwagon were just like, you are idiots. Oh, like, good. Like, And there were some people who had like disagreements with some things he said over the years, which every theologian that's out is going to have things where people disagree. Um, y- you know, I've heard that. Yeah, I know. I read that somewhere. So that's that's okay to me. That's fair if you're gonna if you have a legitimate critique. But to say, "Hey, oh, your scarf is making you womanly," therefore, no one should read your books. Anyway, um, did you know that a very effective choke in jujitsu is called the scarf choke? Really, I would be happy to demonstrate that on anyone who thinks scarves are effeminate. Keep going. I was at Kohl's today with Karen. She was spending some of her Christmas money, and there's a whole rack of scarves. And it was very hard for me not to just take some selfies and scarves. <laughs> she's she's like looking around and she always gets stressed out that I'm like hovering, waiting for it to be done. I'm like, look, dude. I'm I, having fun. I got this awesome book on the Psalms. I went by Grace Christian Bookstore. So I'm chilling outside of the, the dressing room. She's nowhere around. I look like a creep. <laughs> and I'm sitting there reading this book from Paul Couch's store, checking my phone. But then I look over and I'm like, there's there's like 40 scarves on this rack, like it's different ones. Season. Yeah. Like this would be so funny just to do some scarf selfies. Yeah. Then I might get kicked out. You should go. You should have taken like 12 of them to the dressing room and tried on some suits and like put the scarf on and done some selfies in the dressing room. I, I could have done the Michael Scott thing because it was like right by the women's section. I could use some women's blazers. With no pockets on the, that, on the and pants. shoulder pads. That would, have been, that would have been so much better for the Twitter mob. I think we're crossing a line there where I would affirm the Twitter mob. <laughs> uh, what is going on? I what totally were, lost track. David, uh, what do you do for family worship? There it is. Yeah, we like to do the kind of TV approach. Yeah, you watch television? Yeah, we just put it just on watch the shows, shows. In and just let it go. Uh, no, so... For Daniel or Joshua, a lot of a lot of these narrative type stories, we like to stop right when it gets to that climax, and that's something we've been doing in the hermeneutics classes, finding out where that climax is, and then what's the resolution. So we read till we get to the climax, and then stop for the night, mm-hmm. and it leaves it leaves a twelve year old mind wanting to know what's going to happen, gets him excited for the next night. So that's something a tactic we use awesome. a lot. But we're definitely just just Bible. We we did a little book uh, the past few months or so. 
one or two pages on what's the Trinity, what is sin, who is Jesus. And that was really cool to go through. And uh, I think it opened up the girl's eyes a little bit more to scripture. But yeah, we just, we like to go through the Bible and just read it, but definitely in a cliffhanger type fashion. That's super cool. I, that's a great idea. I, forgot, I, I think I left an open-ended idea when we rabbit trailed. I was talking about doing like intellectual discussions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You reminded me of this because you're talking about the climax of the story and all that. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's just conversational sometimes. And so almost always we're in the Bible. But So my wife got a three-lady name book. This is what it was. And there was a list of questions in there that were basic the- theological questions, sort of catechism-y in nature. And it was like, um, you know, one, a great one was like, when you're born— does Jesus see you as holy and righteous until you sin? It was like a kind of a trap, right? It was like a trick question. and, and Not was, if you read your Bible. Well, that's right. And so it's funny. One of my kids jumped out of the gun and he's, or jumped the gate and he's like, no, yeah, if you haven't sinned. And then, oh, wait a minute. Hang on, dad. And then there was this pause and he goes, oh, yeah, no, no, you're a sinner when you're born. I'm like, oh, great, cool. So then we start talking about, like, sin nature and how that's in us and all that, you know, we need a Savior. And so conversational family devotion is, or, yeah, devotion, I guess, family worship. But, um, and then the other one that I've done forever with my boys, and I think I'll do it till I die, and I've I've forgotten who I stole this from at some point now, but the simple question, what is the gospel? Mm. And then they will respond, and now we have this like back and forth. It's the good news about who Jesus, who's Jesus, and then you go, you walk them through, and you just keep probing, you just keep asking questions. So intellectually, they're having to to address this thing that they think they know, and they want to rattle it off in two seconds. Great. So now we're going to take a left turn. So talk to me about um, what is sin? Mm-hmm. Why do I need a savior? What am I saved from? You know, th- there's all of these a million simple questions that can grow your child's ability to, first of all, from like an apologetic standpoint, they they can explain what they believe and defend it with a biblical worldview. There's a lot there. And that can be done in the car. That can be done anywhere. Our family worship, just to button up that too, usually it's like bedtime and it ends with me asking them how I can pray for them. Mm. Um, Like I do for you guys. Uh, like I do for any other adult. Uh, why I don't know why that took me so long to figure out, like, these are my kids. I should ask them the same way that I ask everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we pray. Yeah, that's it. Do you guys uh, do it at night? Yeah, yeah, most of the time. Yeah, that's the only most time we're all in the same house. Yeah, it's fun time. We've done, uh, this week we did it a couple, like I said, in the middle of the day, or not middle of the day, part of implemented our school. Like, it's like, okay, we're going to start our morning. And this is how we're going to start the morning. Yeah. And part of me is like, this is kind of awesome. Yeah. This might be a good day. But I really like sitting down at night, focusing. It's awesome. Like my son, Houston, he's 10. There for a while, it was, I was convinced he was doing it just because he didn't want to go to bed yet. Right. But then all of a sudden, it wouldn't be 8.40. Right. It was 6.30, 7 o'clock. And he said, hey, when are we doing Bible stories? And I'm like, my first response is like, dude, stop trying to get everyone to bed. But I'm like, Oh wait, he's actually asking. It's like two hours early. Yeah. Um. So that that's cool because he's like, no, I, I they desire to do it. It's it's something to look forward to, and that's been just been an awesome change in our house too. It's just to do that, and and if you've never done it before, recognize that there's going to be some resistance probably, especially if you have older kids. Oh yeah, I would I would have been that kid for sure. Oh, yeah, for certain, and just love them, explain to them why you're going to do it, but then just do it. There's, there's no need to give options to say this is what we're going to do in our house. And I'll say, I think 
I grew up in a house that we didn't do it. I don't know that we knew anyone that did do it. And I don't, that's not me throwing anything critical toward my folks. I don't think that most they were most anybody. Yeah, right. I, I think it would have been weird if we did. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, we didn't go to a church that talked about it. It just wasn't a, a part of the culture where, where I grew up. And um, so I wrote down this question what fruit does it bear? And what I'll say for, from my experiences, it bears a Bible knowledge that I didn't have when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the word gospel meant. You know, I, I didn't know the answers to those basic questions. I didn't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I didn't know any basic Bible competency. And my kids know so much more than I knew at 20 years old about the Bible, which is super cool. I love that. So what, what have you guys seen? I mean, competence, confidence, what, what do you see? Just to build on top of what you just said there, the fact is you as a parent doing that with them, you're growing. Oh, yeah. Constantly. It's just no different that we talk all the time about having to prepare to teach and how that helps us grow. You're doing the same things with your kids. So start, do it. You're going to become more proficient at answering their hard questions. For sure. And man, be honest with you. This is the biggest thing that terrifies people. I've heard people say, well, I don't know what to say. What if they ask me a hard question? Like, awesome. Then you work through how to find it with them. And if you don't know the answer and you don't know how to find the answer, you contact a leader within your church, a friend, Hey, my kid asked this really good question that I don't know the answer to. And guess what? After you research it, guess what you're going to know the answer to for the next time somebody asks. When I was new in my industry uh, of working in finance, there are a million things I didn't know the answer to. A million things. And they taught us in training. All you say is, that's a great question. I don't know the answer right now, but I know where to find it. Yeah. So I'm going to get back to you on that. I tell students that. It's honest. It's just like, hey, I don't have all the answers. To me, that's good for them. Right. Because then they don't feel intimidated. When am I going to know all the answers? I was like, oh, well, if it's okay, if Emory doesn't know everything, it's okay that he has to go and do this. And what I typically will do is, hey, I'll get it. I'll get you an answer, and and I'll show you how I got it. Yeah. And then we'll work through it together. And if you have more questions, we'll figure it out. It's a resource. um, It's teaching them how to use resources. Yeah. Yeah. And and could you imagine if you didn't want to go to your job because you were afraid you wouldn't know the answer to a question? Oh. I mean, that's, that's being a human. That's what we do. Again, going back to the whole idea of sending your kids off to school, if your kid came home from school and said, I didn't know the answer to this question, but I didn't ask him because I was going to be embarrassed. Right. What's the first thing you'd say to him? Don't feel embarrassed. No such thing as a stupid question, right? It's like, don't feel embarrassed. Get the answer. That's what they're there for. Well, the same thing for us. You would tell them, hey, go ask your teacher. That's why they're in that role. Hey, ask me. That's why I'm in this role. God has commanded me to put this stuff in front of you and to talk to you about it. And when you don't know the answer, go ask your teacher, your pastor, your life group leader, yeah. your elder, your church, somebody who's who you trust, who has a Bible competency. Uh, look it up on a trusted resource. Uh, DesiringGod.org has 80,000 articles or something about every kind of theological question you've ever had. GotQuestions.org great, is an amazing resource. Great organization. Yeah, I mean, there's a million good places. Don't go to a bad one. But there's a million good places to find answers to these questions. So what what else have you seen? So, you know, we see growth in our kids and in ourselves. Any other fruit there? Any other goodness, richness? For me, it's been cool to watch, and it would take a whole lot more explanation, but having such a wide range of kids um, and being in a different spot as a Christian dad, I'm um, coming faith to Christ when I'm 27, so at that point, I've got a, a five, six-year-old or seven-year-old son. 
younger kids. So I have all these kids after the fact. So where I was at with my oldest two kids in this process and what they knew at a certain age is so much different than, say, Carson or Houston, who were seven and 10, where I can say, or they recognize, like, if I say, what is sin? You know, they recognize it. They have an answer. Yeah. So for me, it's exciting to see them grow, to recognize their need to confess sin. Hey, I did this. This is wrong. There's some some godly sorrow you see. Like, it's worldly sorrow, so because my youngest two aren't believers, but you still see some of the worldly sorrow stuff. But there's there's a recognition like, oh, I've actually, I've, I've disobeyed my parents, which is wrong, but that means I've sinned against God. And they recognize that. And then they ask about it. Well, what, how do I, you know, what do I do with this now? I, I need to confess my sin. Hey, I, I sinned against my brother. You know, Houston has said recently, like I sinned against him when I did that. It's just cool. To, those things for me are huge yeah. because they're recognized at a very young age that I wish I paid more attention to when I was at that age. But that for me is the biggest, not like why I do it, but it's, it, it, but it's, it's fruit. It's, yeah, it's fruit. And it's encouraging. It's like, man, I hope. I hope my my kids just grow up and there's just this like, oh yeah, I always believe this stuff. It's it's hard for me to pinpoint when I came to faith in Christ because I just I just always knew these things. I knew this is the direction and this is what I was gonna do. Yeah. Trusting so that, that in God. for me is the fruit of you, it all. You trust in a God that you've known your whole life. And maybe you haven't been saved by it the whole time. Yeah. Right? But but when you but when you grew up in an environment that had an appreciation for God's word, uh, a biblical worldview, a place that always had a biblical answer to hard questions, that becomes the foundation that you build upon into, into becoming a believer and growing up in the world that's full of chaos. You're quick to turn to the Bible for the answers because you've done it your entire life. And the only thing I, I would want to add there is I, as I hear what I'm saying, I, I don't want people to be discouraged if they have an older kid or an adult child who's right. not a believer. because. I've gone that route too as a parent. You know, my son, he wasn't just until like three years ago that he came to faith in Christ. And, you know, I was really didn't disciple him well for about a six year period of his life. So by the time he was like 13 to 15 ish, when I was like, oh, I'm not doing this right, I need to confess that sin to God and get back in church, be doing what I'm supposed to be doing, repent of my sin, walking in faith and repentance daily. He was kind of like, this isn't for me. Right. And that was very hard. A lot of crying and praying with friends and just spending years praying for him while discipling the other five kids, doing the best I could there with them, realizing like, oh my gosh, I messed up. Right. And then trusting that God and his grace, should he choose, would save him. And now we serve alongside him in God's church. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Like to, to roll in there and see him DJ Jazzy Koinos. Yeah. On some Sunday mornings, messing with the soundboard. So. Co-member of a church, co-heir in Christ. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, that's super great. Yeah, and yeah, of course, the best time to start is the day they were born if you had a time machine. But if you don't, the second best time to start is right now. Right now, yeah. Jump in, both feet. Risk doing it poorly. Risk being embarrassed. Risk uh, feeling vulnerable for the health and well-being of your family, spiritual life. You know, it's super important. And it is good. You will learn to love it, and your kids will enjoy it. And there's probably not a lot of time in your family, if you're normal, where everything's off, TVs are off, screens are off. You're sitting together with a book. I, what are you, the Waltons? Like, when, when are you doing that? If, right, aside John from, boy. Yeah, right. Aside from family worship, you're probably not doing things like that together. 
And maybe you're reading War and Peace by the Fire, but I doubt it. For you guys, as we talk about this, having younger kids are, we all have kids about the same age, I guess, but what do you do with these kids that are insane and don't want to sit still? You have kids everyone's age, Emery. That's right. (laughs) You're all over the game. Well, David, you have girls. Do you deal with that much? Because girls are so different than boys. Absolutely. They're so easy. Uh, No, no, not so much. They will hold a good... You know, conversation and attention span for roughly six, seven seconds. And then, yeah, we have we have to bear it down a little bit. But I think it's the same challenges as everyone else. It's, yeah. I mean, if you're going through numbers, there, there's some really cool stories in there that are going to engage the kids. And then there's some other books that are just going to bore them to tears because they don't understand the theological aspects of it. But yeah, choose, choose wisely. Yeah. If you're going to start, start with something that's going to intrigue them. Get, get them wanting to listen, wanting to to hear about what God has done through the past. Mm-hmm. Don't don't just jump into something that's going to bore them to tears. If you start in Leviticus, <laughs> your children may not focus as much no. as if you start in a gospel. But but even if they're not focusing, they they hear it. it that, that was one of the fruit things. Oh, yeah. Sienna, yeah. Sienna came home the other day. She's taking a class, and her teacher is not a Baptist, and— she was just talking. Or a Protestant. Or, or, yeah, or a Protestant. And she was talking, and Sienna goes, Dad, my teacher was saying some crazy stuff today. And this is stuff that we haven't sat down and talked about, but she's just heard me say to her and or heard conversations or heard a sermon in the background that Caitlin's listening to. And they definitely pick it up. They, they may not be paying attention, looking at you and yeah. reading along, but they're picking it up. Yeah, if they're picking up the lyrics to the music in your car, yeah. they're picking up the stuff that you're talking about, too. Yeah. For sure. Uh, we, because my boys are eight and 10, the first 40% of family worship is me in a firm voice being like, hey, are you listening? <laughs> I'll wait, pay attention, you know, because they're just squirming and talking and giggling and making jokes. But sure enough, they're getting it. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, they're important, you know, it's, it's being imported somehow because we'd ask questions and sure enough, they were paying attention. <laughs> so um, our pastor often says some of the best family worship uh, you know, times where when one kid was hanging upside down off the couch and he thought there was no way this kid's getting anything out of this. And that kid is now devoting his life to ministry. Him saying that, I may have mentioned this earlier. I, so. I think we've talked about it on here. Yeah, just real briefly, like like he said that here at my house and that was a thing for me that was a turning point in being more serious about it because I get so frustrated. Oh yeah, it's discouraging. This is a waste of time. And he said that here and I'm like, maybe it's not a waste of time. And within, you know, maybe two months, there was just a point where like a few days after Houston made the comment. And so this would have been when he was like seven. He was like, Hey, that's kind of like what you said the other night. We were reading that story and talking about whatever during Bible story. Home run. And I'm like, Holy crap. He was listening. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was literally hanging upside down yeah. on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Like That's how I do my best thinking. <laughs> mine's on the toilet. All the blood goes to my brain when I'm upside down. So it's good. It's super helpful. Yeah. Well, and look, I think the aim for this, the reason the Bible says to do it, it's because God wants us to love him back. Mm. He wants us to see his faithfulness. He wants us to know him. He wants us to trust him, to believe him, to count on him, to turn to his word, to see him. That's how he communicates with us. And if your desire is for your children to love the Lord, you better spend some time loving the Lord with your family. Mm-hmm. And that word worship is about applying worth, W-O-R-T-H, worth. And is it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And God is more valuable than our entire life 
could ever be dedicated to showing him. And uh, if you want your kids to love the Lord, you got to show them that you love the Lord and spend time. So, yeah, anyway. Anything else we need to hit on family worship? I got a couple good quotes that I just wanted to talk yeah. about. So, so there are books. If you're like, hey, how does this work? I, was, I don't know if it's Beaky or just Beak. Joel, B-E-E-K-E. Got his, I would say Beaky. I, I, I don't know. I got his, a bunch of his books. They're expensive. Mm. Big systematic theology he just came out with over there. But the uh, he's got a great small book on family worship. And if I remember right, it's free on PDF. When they, when, <clears throat> it is Beaky. Because when his family came to Ellis Island, it was Beekeeper, and they took off the. Are you being serious right now? No, I'm not. Oh, I was like, dude, it's amazing. <laughs> Never heard of this guy. I'm sure he's awesome. Ancestry.com. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> So, but I think his book on family worship is actually in a PDF that we can just post. We'll put that in the show notes. Don Whitney has a book on family worship also called Family Worship in the Bible and History and in Your Home. And I've not read this one, but I found some, I've, I've seen quotes from it. So I looked some of those up. One that I love is uh, this one. Consistent father-led family worship is one of the best, steadiest, and most easily measurable ways to bring up children in the Lord's discipline and instruction. And then he he quotes Jonathan Edwards, and I really love this quote. It's, every Christian family ought to be, as it were, a little church. I love that one. Mm-hmm. I love them both. I, I want You made me think of something with that father-led thing. So let's talk for a minute to women. I was actually, I'm glad you bring that up. Yeah. Yep, to women who do not have husbands, fathers for their children, or um, maybe you're married to an unbeliever, or maybe you're married to a man who is sinning against God and his family by not leading you well spiritually. We're going to do a whole episode on uh, marriage next week. But lady, if you're leading your family worship time because your husband will not obey the Lord, God is glorified in that. Your children are blessed in that. You have my full support and encouragement, and I want that to be great for you and for your family. Hold fast to the Lord and do it. Do it, do it, do it unto the Lord. Don't allow a bad circumstance, uh, somebody else's sin, or tragedy in your life mm-hmm. keep you from uh, obeying the commands and, and giving your children this beautiful gift. And there's, there's biblical backing for the fact that you as a mom can influence your child greatly. Of course. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.5. So this is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Love that. It's awesome. Way to pull that, by the way. Boom. I never would have thought of that. That's so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Faithful mothers are so important mm-hmm. to godly children and, and to, to godly children grow up to be godly men and women. So hold fast, hold fast, trust in the Lord, do your very level best, get them in a great church with um, good, steady, rock-solid believing men that can be a part of your life in a, in a good way and encourage them and all that. So anyway, yeah. Made me think of it. Honestly. We've talked about a couple like catechisms and things like that. Just let's spitball some things that either books or things that come off the top of your head that you would point people to. Like you've talked about catechisms. So like there's what there's a new city catechism has. That's a, the one I wasn't going to say. Oh, well, I love it. I, I like it. They have an app. Yeah, they on got your phone. an app. New city catechism. Awesome. I, I love Paul Cox at Ref Tunes. Oh yeah. Love his stuff. He's got the Baptist catechism mm-hmm. that that's illustrated. It is amazing. I think you can get it at Founders Press right now, I think is where he's selling it. But if you go to RefTunes on Facebook. R-E-F. R-E-F-T-O-O-N-S. His there stuff is amazing. He's got coloring pages with Puritans. Like, it's great. Love that guy. 
Uh, I was an early Patreon supporter of his when he first kicked off. Cool brag. Got some of his cool uh, custom artwork on my wall. Yeah, so that's that's awesome. Places like that. Um, we'll put some of the books that are spe- specifically f- like leading you as dads or moms to, hey, how what's family worship look like? We'll put some links on there uh, on the show notes. The Jesus Storybook Bible for Little Kids, I mentioned that. When they're real little, that's a great way to end every Bible story with the gospel. Kevin DeYoung's got a new, like, I think it's... ABCs? Something Bible. Well, ABCs is the small one. Yeah. It's, like, thick. I have it. And Crossway actually has weekly curriculum that goes alongside that if you sign up for it. Nice. Oh, More Than a Story is the name of the book yes. that we've been doing. Yes. I've heard of this book. So, great book. I can't recommend that enough. So we'll throw some, there's there's some things out there. There's there's books. Um, Theology by Marty Matowski. He, uh, he does, him as an author, amazing books for kids. Can't remember some of the names of them off the top of my head, but Theology is what it's called. It is great. It's a catechism type book. With scripture, pictures, and things like that. There's a soundtrack that goes with it. Great songs. Did Robbie Gallaty write any that you want to say? Hey, Rob, actually, there's a great book that, oh man, I can't, I'm not gonna be able to find it. So he, this guy actually passed away. He was one of, of a guy that worked with Robbie Gallaty and Replicate. Uh, Chris, can't remember his name. I'll put a link. But he has a whole book on discipling your kids. Uh, Matthew Chandler, I think, did a book, Family Discipleship. Yep. Um, so there's there's books. There's there's so many resources. Don't let your fear keep you from taking the steps. Huge to do these things. And reach out to your friends, see what they're doing. Um, uh, get some ideas from your church. You know, just uh, and if you're forging a path here and you don't have people in your life to do it, look, reach out to us. We're happy to point you in the right direction. But it is clunky at first. It feels maybe a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Anything in life worth doing is hard. Yep. Go do it. It's super worth it. It just gets easier. Yeah. 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 Okay, I think we did it. Yeah, I think so. I got a, I got a good speed dating question. Oh, okay. This week, you don't have to. Have, do you guys have any? I don't want to be. I'm all force the issue. I have one, but you can go first. You okay. go first. You guys in some in some phases of your childhoods were in churches. So, uh, I talked about uh, what reminds us of church or what we think of when we think of the church. When I was preaching on Sunday, so the question is, what is that memory for you? Is it a smell, a sight, a thing? When you think of church as a kid, a positive association. For me, it's the the wood, hardwood pew and the green and the red hymnal. And they would say, we're going to be in the green hymnal, page 413, or we're going to be in the red hymnal, yeah. page 229. That's what I think of. And the ugly puke green carpet. At our church, we had the same thing, wooden pews. We had, had the multicolored hymnals. But when you walk out of the back through the back doors, you go downstairs. If you if you go to the right, it's the bathrooms. If you go to the left, it's the like cafeteria. I thought you were going to say this is where we smoke cigarettes. Nope, definitely the didn't youth do that. group. But you would go into the cafeteria, and every Sunday after church, they would start setting up for life group or for youth group that night. And all the kids would be in there, and there was a big sliding window that went out to the parking lot, and there was a giant hill to the left, and we would just run up and down the parking lot. That's that's the memory of that I remember just the layout of that building, Definitely. and we'd always go out back out the sliding doors and run up the hill and back down as cars were leaving, and that's a great memory for me. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I had a lot of very similar experience. Yeah. I'm sure most people did if you grew up in church, and I want our kids to have these things. By the mm-hmm. way, for that, for our kids, it's the youth room is what they're going to remember. Oh yeah, wrestling to the death in the youth room after Dude, service, basketball, basketball straight, at night, it's like injuries that go on in that room too. Oh, it's. <laughs> 
<laughs> Any kids I've seen coming out of there are like, Ooh. <laughs> one eye steak stuck on the shot. eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have fun. So mine would be, so, uh, we all, I think, mentioned wood pews. But when I was a kid in Zweibrücken, Germany, Zweibrücken Baptist Church is where my um, parents went after they got saved. They were doing some, this would have been 80, 81, and that church, if I remember right, started around 75. So they started building, they had to build their pews. They were in Germany, you're not going to just go buy some. I was literally going to make a joke about this because of how old you are, and they literally were building the pews. <laughs> yeah. It's right. fantastic. Saturday Night Fever was in every theater in America, and you were building pews. Whatever, man. <laughs> Go ahead. But one of the things that I remember is the smell. So that we used pine, and it was not a good pew material because there's like sap and no, stuff. No, oak is traditional. Yeah, so but that's what we had. So we built, I remember being as a kid with all these guys at our church building these pews out of pine board. So when I smell pine, yeah. like a fresh cut pine board. You think of pews? Automatically think of pews, man. Like, And that's why I've got one. But that one's not pine. That's a great story. Yeah, or awesome. a great memory, yeah. But yeah, so, but and you said puke green carpet. Yeah, yeah, bad. Real Here's bad. one of my favorite stories. And it's not like, maybe it shouldn't be a good memory, but I think it's my personal shot at legalism and stupidity. Okay. Have I talked about throwing up on carpet on here before? Mm, I think you've told me, but I can't remember. Okay. You know what? It's a podcast. Listeners can hear stories twice. Okay, good to go. Go ahead. Hit the fast forward button if you've heard this one. Um, so when I was a kid at this church in uh, Virginia, it was the first time like I witnessed this church. Uh, there was a church split over carpet and things. So the meeting was all this anger over what carpet was going to go in, right? Yeah. People leave. The carpet gets put in. Over the color of the carpet. Over the color of the carpet. Back of the church, there was like these swinging doors, like not saloon doors, but kind of like they could go both ways. Like kitchen doors in a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. There was a set of them. And I, I would have been in fourth grade. So I can't remember the color of the carpet off the top of my head. Somebody does. Somebody left the church. Somebody knows. I come in and my stomach had been bothering me. I just drank a whole red like fruit punch Gatorade. Nice. So I come in as soon as I've push the doors open. This is during like either Sunday night or Wednesday night service. Okay. Come from the bathroom, push the doors open. I make it maybe two steps into this sanctuary. Yeah. I barf up all of this red Gatorade <laughs> all over this carpet they just put in that the church had split over. Oh, this is great. Right inside where you walk in. Yeah, yeah. So to me, I count this as a crowning, achieving, in God's providence moment. I barf this all up because that stain— Never would never come out. Um, so after all that angst did, and irritation, did people accuse your family of like this was political? No, but I remember my mom saying like she tried her hardest to get that all out. I bet she did. <laughs> and you know, my mom, she was there scrubbing hands and knees with a brush and a bucket. Oh, I'm sure. And I feel bad about that part of it, but otherwise, I wish I had a photo. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. Great. Right. Because like I, to me, it's like good on Emory for throwing up all over this carpet that the church split over. Well, the uh, the the irony stick there, obviously, but like there's just such a lesson in it. Like you were caring about the wrong things. Oh, for sure. Because you know what carpet's there for? It's there to get thrown up on. Yep. And that's it. And oh man, I I've heard a lot of foolish reasons to leave a church. Color of the carpet is like a joke I've made. It's legit. It's crazy that somebody cared that much. And if you, if you listener, care that much about the color of the carpet, you're not going to hear me when I say, don't be that way. Okay. Do you guys have questions? Well, what's yours? Oh, yeah. The him, the, the pews and the Okay. okay. Yeah. And the green carpet. Oh, yeah. Actually, it was a Ninja Turtle church. It had uh, <laughs> puke green carpet and dark 
purple floor to ceiling Donatello. Yeah, uh, floor nice. to ceiling like drape curtain things behind the, where the sacraments would sit on the big fancy table. Yeah. So it was uh, green and purple, really beautiful. <laughs> you can look at my wedding together. pictures. I'll show it to you. It's pretty sick. You going or my? Good, good. All right. So from my wife again because she has to get her voice in here. Your favorite metal story from the Bible? Just a yes. Cool story. story. So you know the Instagram account nature is metal. No, okay. It's just it's nature. It's so like uh, like eagles killing deer. Oh, like brutal. Like nature is metal. Like so. So when Caitlin says metal story, she doesn't mean like think of a heavy metal band. Yeah, and she she means like something that's just like brutal or like super metal. That helps me because in my mind I'm going. Yeah, yeah. I got your back. I got your back. (laughs) Uh, There are so many. Yep. There are so many, and my wife has been collecting metal Bible stories that she she's talked to a couple artists about doing some paintings That's awesome. of these brutal why don't you go first so I don't steal yours because I I'm, I got two and I'll do the one you don't do David is yours from Judges no okay mine's I got a couple I got one okay. from Max mine's from Judges go Samson oh yeah Donkey Jaw killing a thousand men yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> that's a good call to kill a thousand men with a Donkey Jaw is uh Pretty metal. Super, super <laughs> metal. Super metal. Yeah. Uh, I really, well, do you want to go? Because I'm going to say two. I've got one, but I, I, I'm trying to remember names in my mind. Okay. Do you want to look it up? I mean, I could. But I, I don't think it matters for the story. Everyone's, people either know the story or they won't. You may remember. I don't even remember where it's at. Okay. But when I think of what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Old Testament, uh, young uh, daughter gets raped brothers somehow i forget the whole who it was brothers basically get the people who did it hammered after so they or so they could convince them they need to get circumcised right you guys know this what i'm talking and about they avenge their sister yeah they get them all hammered after their circumcision so while these guys are all in pain hammered after circumcision as adults they go in and just lay waste to them all slaughter them so, yes yeah, just destroy them okay, okay. Yes. At, yes. First, at first i thought you were going the lot route with, it, with no. the alcoholism no. <laughs> That's definitely not the VeggieTales story. Yeah, yeah. That's the, they never did one, but that's the story, and I'd have to look up where it is and who yeah. it was. That was Dinah. Uh, in Genesis 34, yes. Dinah's brothers mm-hmm. avenged their sister. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. to me, love that story. Yeah, and I know yeah, there's yeah. other reasons not to love that story, and there's like there's some bad parts of it from a, just like what they were doing and where they were wrong. These are Jacob's sons. Jacob's son, that's right. And uh, they looted the town and took revenge for their sister's disgrace. The sons, uh, they, they slain and spoiled the city. That's Yeah, that's super metal. A yeah. um, little more intense maybe than I was thinking. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> the Marine in me. So there's two that my wife is trying to commission right now to get painted. Uh, one is Elisha being mocked Ooh. by the children. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord sends two she bears to <laughs> slaughter forty two boys. I've been running that through AI trying to get something. Oh, nice! And because we talked about this the other day, yeah, they're so lame. Oh, I'll pull did, them up while you finish. He's got he's got some big ideas, and we got a friend of ours, Rebecca, as a painter, so we're gonna see what we can do. And then um, the other one we've talked about it on the podcast is from Axe. Uh, oh, that is not a good rendering, AI rendering. <laughs> That's horrible. Horrible. I absolutely tattooed that on myself. You, you got to put like four, I think it's 42 boys or yeah, 40 this boys. this kind of goofy. This looks like the Disney version. The boys did not stand a chance. That boy looks like he stands a chance. I would assume the boys also had hair. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, AI was not. They're mocking Elisha. I tried numerous times. Who, who they presumably are making fun of him for being bald because um, they called him baldhead. Well, no, no, no. The reason <laughs> they were making fun of him is because <laughs> prophets shaved their heads. Yeah, and so they were mocking God because he was a prophet of God. Right. So anyway, bigger story there. Read it, reread it, read it again. Um, the other one is an axe. We talked about it when Herod uh, essentially was a glory hound, and he the the people he did this big grand speech. He's in his royal robe, and he's oh, yeah. and they're chanting, "This is the voice of a god, not of a man." And he's like, "You're darn right." You know, he's just kind of taking that in, and it says uh, uh, he, <laughs> an angel of the Lord, basically took care of him, and uh, his guts were eaten by worms, and he breathed his last. And that's where we see Blastus, the chamber yep. chamberlain, who uh, anyway made set that up. But yeah, that's a, that's a good one too. So we're gonna have some new artwork at the Barnes house. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, we have a Spurgeon quote. That's a good one. Yeah, in our living room about if they're gonna be damned, at least let them uh, step over our bodies on the way to hell. Some for it's a prettier version of that. And so now my children once in a while they be like, "Can we say the thing on the poster <laughs> in the room?" I'm like, "Sure, can't." And nope, you can't. If you're quoting scripture, you can talk about hell. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, so those will be those will be coming awesome. our way. Yeah, Caitlin, good submission. Most metal Bible story. Send yours, and if you have a favorite uh, wild Bible story, uh, shoot it to us on Facebook or email the Godly Manhood Podcast at gmail.com. Emery, do you have a question? If you could wear a costume around every day, oh, and no one would think it weird. No one would think it's weird. No one would think it's weird. It'd just be the most normal thing, but you got to choose what would you wear. Like, I think of, like, these kids that just are rocking Batman costumes when they're five rolling around. But that's forever. weird. But no, when they're little be. kids, they're awesome. Like, right. if I was a little kid, I would, like, if it wasn't weird, <laughs> what okay. would you Does dress it have like to as? be, like, a superhero or no. just a general yeah. just costume? General. What would you? Okay. A costume of some sort. Got it. I'm going to say a white tank top. Like, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Vin Diesel. Here it is. Hit the button for when David yeah. brings up Fast and Furious. Oh, man. We need more buttons. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, take a second on this one. Go for it. Okay, I would be, just because I love heist movies, I would dress like a janitor and have the the rolling cart of trash cans and mops so that I could get access to places I don't belong. Don't belong. Mm, yeah. It's a great one. Yeah. I, I just, uh, yeah, I like a lot of those films. What do you got, Emery? Question bringer? <laughs> I didn't even think about this. It was just something that popped in my head. Now that I'm like thinking about it, I'm like, I don't know. It's going to be kind of lame. But we talked about Ninja Turtles earlier. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. on the brain. I got a thing for Ninja Turtles. Oh, they're awesome. So for me, like, I would dress as a Ninja Turtle. Yeah. And maybe work hard at getting some ninja skills. I just think it'd be kind of sweet. Did Definitely you say Raphael. Did you say you'd wear a cardigan? <laughs> what did you just say? I don't know what I said. Oh, work hard? Work hard to have the skills. Got it, got it, got it. I heard wear a cardigan. And I'm like, that's not, that's like splinter. Work. That's what Paul Tripp was wearing with the scarf. He's a gentleman, yeah. and he loves the Lord. And I bet he's tough. I bet he's got a firm handshake and calloused hands. Yeah. I know nothing about him, but other than I like his stuff, you know, he's a smart guy. So something with a robe. You guys talking about Ninja Turtles? Like Shredder, Shredder would be awesome. Like a gentleman's bathrobe, no, or like a, like a cape, capish robe. Shredder or Vader or Earth Maul. Oh yeah, Vader. There you go. Yeah. Something like that. I don't think Maul had a cape. No, he did not. I was no. just trying to make a Star Speaking Wars thing. Speaking of Darth Maul. Yeah. about him? Lamest character. Well, worst Star, Star Wars, Wars movie. Yeah, but like... Oh, boy, we're in the Nerdweeds. What weeds. are you guys even... Have we're, you seen Episode Eight? We're in the Nerdweeds. First off, Episode Eight. No. Uh, oh, wait. He yeah, wasn't in Episode Eight. No, no he, he wasn't. He, he's you saying said it's worse one. than one. Episode oh, oh, okay, okay. Blue Milk, it. bud. What was, number eight? Eight? what was number eight? What was number eight? Uh, Rogue One? No, that was like no. an independent movie. I don't, I don't even know the names of them. They were so bad. So, okay. but Darth Maul, 
Yeah. He was in all the previews. Correct. That's the only reason I went to this movie. He didn't have a line of dialogue. I may want to be in the dark side of the force. This guy's amazing. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. look cool. And it was the lamest, like, three minutes. You have to read the extended canon, friend. Oh, he gets spider legs, comes back. There's books books to this stuff? Yeah, you you don't read the Apocrypha of Star Wars? Is there really books to this? Oh, Emery. Emery, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre, before the movie, like really? forty years worth of comics, graphic novels, all sorts of stuff. George Lucas got got a contract. You have like, no idea. Make the so, movies of the book. So, but like you're being like genuinely like if I went and looked up like Star Wars books, go to your public be, like, library. There's through. probably a room full oh, yeah. of them. yeah, okay, like hundreds, and if not, I mean, I there, would there's find this way more now. interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's thousands by now, and they're and they're way better stories. Okay, when I was I, in eighth, I had no idea. When mm-hmm. I was in junior high, that was like it was like shelves and shelves. Oh yeah, of Star really? Wars books. Yeah. Yeah. I just assumed they were made like because of the movies. They, they are fan fiction. They're they're not part oh, of so the Star Wars. Yeah. So like when George Lucas made the movies, this was his idea. There wasn't books he made them off of. No, all these books came later, and they're not oh, part of the, they're not part of the actual story. That's different. There are books that are continuations of the story now that okay. Marvel owns it. But yeah. I'm gonna step right out of them nerd weeds real quick. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. But yeah, something with a cape. Going back to that. Wow. I just want to apologize to the listener for the 14th week in a row. I don't like nerd stuff. Nerd culture. I don't like any of it. And here we are. I don't Again. understand it, but I, I, I can... I, don't, I guess it depends on what, what are we talking like when we're talking nerd stuff. Well, the, it's definitely like some people would put Bigfoot in that category. Probably. Right? Like the kids were watching The Hobbit the other day. I want to beat my head in a wall. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't watch this. I don't really think you're like into nerd stuff, generally. Yeah. No, I no David. It's just David is the problem. But I brought up the Star Wars. I'm thing. not even into Star the nerd Wars stuff anymore. I just have the knowledge of the nerd stuff from I mean, a previous like, life. Star Trek is super nerdy, right? No, Star Trek is for geeks. Nerds are different than geeks. <laughs> Nerds are smart people, and geeks are just weirdos. No, geeks are the smart ones. Smart ones. You know what? I'm going to do it. This episode is is uh, dedicated to our friend Ken Battiston, <laughs> <laughs> the most jacked, cool nerd of all time. Yeah, he's a nerd, not a geek, and he's. I like, I try to make fun and I'm like, what am I going to say? Like, he's got a beautiful wife. He's jacked. He's, he's a, he's a fireman <laughs> and he's the biggest <laughs> nerd of all time. Yeah. He's impossible to make fun of. So anyway, we're going to dedicate this to our friend, our brother in Christ, <laughs> Ken Battison. Uh, anything else for the good of the order? We do it all. Yeah. We're good. Okay. Uh, send us your questions. The godly manhood podcast at gmail.com. Before we forget, cause there'll still be time to sign up men's event at Quinos. If you haven't checked it out, I shared it on our Facebook page the other day. February 2nd and 3rd. February 2nd and 3rd. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Get signed up. I'm teaching a breakout. Are you doing a breakout? No. Nope. No? Okay. Uh, yeah, it'll be awesome. A lot of fun. Come be a part of that. And um, yeah, anything else? No, I think we're good. Thanks for listening. All right. Have a good week. Peace. Peace.